Am I supposed to pray for what I want or just to be able to handle whatever he decides to do? And so we covered this one. We were talking about um, asking and asking from your heart and going before God boldly and, and making your petitions known. And we kind of actually went a couple weeks on that, just about the power of the ask and God cares about you as your child and things like that. So I just put that in there just because it was one. Uh, and just so you guys know, I don't put all the points. If you guys want to take notes, I just know that we go through a lot of verses as we teach through this, and I know n- nobody could keep up with this. So, But anyways, prayer is just a powerful thing that God's given us to whatever's on your heart. God doesn't just say, deal with it. He says, come to me and talk to me about it. So we did answer that, but I just didn't want you thinking that I skipped out. How, how do you know when you have prayed in God's will, which we answered, how long should you pray about someone or something we haven't answered and pray without ceasing? So we're going to jump right into the middle question that they asked with that because we, we went, did, it, there was like four people that asked the pray without ceasing thing, so we did that. Or how do you know when you have prayed in God's will? We did that one at the very beginning for two weeks. So I want to talk about the how long should you pray about someone or something. And I've had people that have backed off and say, listen, I prayed for them for like years and God didn't do it. So I just took it as a no. And, and it's, you, you wonder, when do you stop praying for someone or something? So let, let me explain a verse or a couple of verses that are important to this. It says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. So, I, and it says, you have not because you ask not. So if you understand this, and I'll be honest, when it comes to the Greek, I'd rather have this man get up here and teach it than me because I struggle with English still. So, uh, but I have lots of tools that helps me out with the Greek. Brother Fenwick is one that I would go to and he gives me advice about, you do, I, you sell yourself short, you do, you're very good at this. So, uh, but in this, God is instructing us to pray and to keep on praying because it, it's continuous action. It's not a matter of knock and ask and then stop, but it's continuous action. It's, it's God's given it to us uh, for to never, it never find the instructions to pray and stop praying or stop asking. Never in scripture will you ever find a passage that God says, don't ask anymore, or you've gone too far, or you requested too much. So you'll never find that. But it's asking, it shall, asking, it shall be given to you, seeking, you shall find, knocking, it shall be open to you. They are all continuous action. But the question is, why does God say that? And you guys know I've used a lot of my journey with Logan as, as the illustration for this. And, and I truly believe that God uses time of struggle to teach us to pray. And, and I use this even in the beginning of this. Of uh, it, Would I be where I'm at spiritually? And I'm not saying I've arrived spiritually, but I can tell you that I've got a different prayer life today than I did when I first started out. And if we were just to go before God and just say, God, and I, I told you guys this, when Logan was diagnosed on uh, June 28th, if, if God would have just on that scan that we got that week, and they said, wow, we, there, was a, there was a tumor there, and it's all gone, I would have been like, yes! And then what would what, what I have done as a Christian? Just be honest. You guys tell me, what would I have done? Moved on. Just moved on like I did before. And that's human nature to do that. But you know what it wasn't? God was putting me on a journey. I'm still on the journey. And, and it's kind of like boot camp. They, you don't go to boot camp and all of a sudden you, you go through the first day and high five and it's like, man, you guys are ready for war. You know, it's like you go to bed and you wake up and you wake up the next day and the next day and the next day because he's teaching you something. He's creating habits in your life. It's a journey. 
And I think sometimes when you ask and God doesn't give you the yes, it's one, he might be saying no, one, he might be saying wait, but a lot of times it could be that God's bringing you on a spiritual journey and he's not done teaching you this. And I've been through the highs and the lows of this as we've gone through this. So it's, it's, it's more than just a request, it's a journey. God puts something on your heart to see a child saved or God puts it on your heart to be able to see somebody move or your kids move closer to you or, or, or a child that's wayward from God. It keeps you on your knees. We keep praying and praying and praying. We learn to wait. We learn to pray. And you experience God's goodness along the way. It builds your faith. It's not just one big prayer that God answers. But I can tell you guys, you guys know my journey that we've gone through this. I, I would put on my prayer request that I do every single night. I never went a day through those six months that I didn't post on Facebook and said, hey, saints of God, this is how I'm asking you to pray today. You know what it was? It was, it was kind of that, that, that manna that God was giving me every single day saying, I'm faithful, come get more. I'm faithful, come ask for more. I'm faithful, and God kept doing that. And through every single day, when the Bible says that his mercies are new every day, every time I woke up, it was like, God, I need you. They'd come in and say, hey, his labs came back and they were rough. It's not what we wanted. He might not be able to go home. We need to be praying for his labs to come up. His white blood count would go down and his platelets would drop and he'd get nosebleeds and his heart rate and all these different things. But it was constantly driving me to my knees again, saying, Lord, do it again. And I need you again and I need you again. So, so the ask that God's giving, it's, it's continuous action. Here's the second thing. Or what, man of, or what man is there of you whom the son will ask bread and he will give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, he will give him a serpent. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Now, I want you to, I want you to notice something about what he says. A lot of times we say, well, God didn't answer my prayers because he didn't give me what I asked for. But what God said that he gives us is good things when we ask for that. Knowing that the Father always knows what we need even more than we know what we need. So sometimes God answers by giving us something different or something better, or even, but it's always something good. So that's, that, and that's the promise of that. You, and this, by the way, this is the same passage where he's teaching us to pray, to ask and seek and knock. And when it doesn't happen the way you thought, it doesn't mean that God's not answering your prayers. It just means that he might be answering a different way. So, um, well, we were looking for a house, and I say this because the Spicers are looking for a house, and, me and we've talked about this. And it, it is hard when you're searching for a house, and, and, and God says no and no. And so when we went on that journey, we were trying to sell our house, and we went to this one house, and it was close by the church. I love the neighborhood of it. And we went inside and we're like, I told Jenny, I said, I absolutely love this house, but you guys have been in this place before. And they, I said, how much is it again? And I was like, we can't afford that. And Jenny was like, well, we can't, but what if we did this and this? And in my heart, have you guys ever had that where you're like, no, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't, but we, were, we wanted the house so bad. And it was like, uh, God, God, we put a bid in it. And I promise you, we probably shouldn't have put a bid in it. We probably shouldn't have, but we did it anyways. We didn't get the house. And then I remember there was a house in the neighborhood close over this way. And it was, it was really cheap. And I was so excited about it. But when we showed up to look at the house, it had so many issues. Guys, I am telling you, it had so many issues inside of it. We bought a house with issues, but not like this. 
And I remember we put a bid on it, and I'm like, we just need a house. And I was like, and I want this, and it has this, and we could afford it. It was cheap. And in, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this is going to be so much work. We'll never actually be able to enjoy this house because every dime's going to have to go into fixing it up. And I remember the backyard was a total hill. It was like the, it was, you went out the back, and then it went into like a ditch area, and it was like this catch-all for the neighborhood of where the ditches came in. And I was like, like, well, the kids don't really need to play football in the backyard. They'll be fine in the front yard. And Jenny's like, are you sure? And I'm like, and God shut the door on that. And then when we found the house that we had now, it was a better price than we could imagine. And, and it was every detail of everything that we were looking for. And sometimes when you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, you're just like, when, when do I stop praying? It could be that God's going to give you something different. It's not what you're asking for. But the whole point of this passage is your father, which is in heaven, to give good things to them that ask. So the thing that God answers prayers for when he is seeking is he's never going to give you the serpent or the stone. You know what I'm saying? That's that's not how God does it. God doesn't give you and just like, and I'm going to make your kids live in the ghetto, you know, because I don't like you. God doesn't work that way. So God answers in this way. And I gave you this as another principle, but let me show you this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to the purpose. So even in the course of that, of you praying and praying and praying, you know what he's doing through the course of all of that? He's working it out for your good. He always is. And so here's here's some advice that I I gave, uh, or Malcolm Carter, my pastor from Alabama, gave me. Is, is the third thing. How do, you, how do you know when to stop praying? You say, you pray until God says no. You know, you can expect the good as you're going, but pray until God says no. I, um, when they came in, one of the times I remember leaving the hospital room, I had a spot in the hospital. It was at the, we were on the top floor of Children's Hospital, and there was this glass little corner, which is in the tower of every uh, every floor of Children's Hospital, they have this one little thing. And I would just go down there, and I would, I would pray. I would talk to people, and I went down there, and I called Malcolm, and I said, everything that we've prayed for has not happened. And I said, maybe God just wants me to give up on praying this way and pray another way. He said, what would the other way pray, be that you would pray? So, said, well, maybe that God just wants to take them. And, and he said, well, wait a minute. Did, did God tell you no? And I said, well, this didn't come. And I said, he said, I didn't say that. He said, did God tell you no? Then he told me, he said, when Paul was praying for, Lord, take this thorn from me three times, Paul prayed and asked until what? God said no. And, and a lot of times we give up because it didn't happen, but it was a matter of pray until God uh, says no. And how many times did Paul pray for healing? Three times. And guys, by the way, I don't believe that was like, dear God, please heal me. Please heal me. You know, it's like, it wasn't like that. It, it was, and, and I don't even know what it was, but it must have been three times that he went through like seasons of that because Paul wouldn't have been like, heal me, heal me, heal me. I asked you three times, you know, it was like, it was more than that. So then God gave him the answer, no. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My, your strength is made perfect in weakness. So don't stop praying is what I'm saying. Knock in that passage means to keep on knocking and, and seek and keep on seeking and maybe the door he opens up will be, will be a different door, but I can promise you it will be good because all things work together for good. So in question number 15, and we're just going through the list, why does the Bible say, and I love this one because this is one I struggled with, 
Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, believing, you will receive it, and it shall be given to you. This is how they wrote the question. If that does not happen, especially when it comes to healing. Okay. You guys ready for this one? This one's heavy. All right. Let's just get into the Bible verses. And people misuse these verses all the time. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father might be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. So you know where that brings us to? Name it and claim it, baby. I mean, it's like, it's just like, and people will use this verse and go up to you and say, I, I read this verse and I declare in Jesus' name that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for your healing and God's going to do it. Now, I've been, I've been out with people before. And I, I was out with somebody that felt that way. And they went into this person's house that had cancer. And they walked right up to him and prayed. And he said, do you mind if I pray? I said, no, go ahead. And I was all excited because I was with this other Christian that was praying. He said, I declare their healing right now. They are healed. I declare that they will no longer have this problem and that they're going to rise up and walk and whatever. You claim that, you claim that, and all this. And they got up. Three weeks later, I did their funeral. Three weeks later, I did that guy's funeral. And I said, you, you, you kind of, what were you doing back there? You don't declare healing. God declares healing. But that's where they take this verse from. So whatever you shall ask, that will I do. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Let's show some other verses. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and thou shalt cast it into the sea, and shall, know, uh, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which saith shall come to pass... And he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore will I say unto you, whatsoever things ye desire, when you pray, believe and receive them. And you shall have them. Okay. Now, I mean, you're sitting there saying, wait a minute. The Bible says that. How could this not add up? Let me give you another one. Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, verily I say to you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Now, the mount represents something that is impossible for man, okay? There is your son having cancer. I don't care what vitamins I give him or what I do. There's nothing that can remove that mountain. And let me just say, there's mountains in all of our lives that we face, that there's something that is just too big for us to handle. And that's what the illustration was in this passage. So, but I, like I said, this is where the name and claim it comes for. And people saying, I declare healing over you. In the name of Jesus, I declare that my husband will come to know Christ and things like that. And it says, if you ask anything in his name, he will do it. So we say, dear God, do this and do that. We go through the list of those things. And then it doesn't happen. And people get so frustrated with, I don't believe in prayer anymore because I even claimed it in Jesus' name. I declare it in Jesus' name and Jesus didn't do it. So... Um, so we get frustrated with this. When Logan was first diagnosed uh, uh, with cancer, my kids are goofy, okay? My kids are just goofy. And they, they named his cancer Travis, okay? So if you hear our family talk about Travis, that we're talking about Logan's tumor. And this is, Travis has become such a household name, we talk about Travis all the time. We don't say Logan has cancer. We'll say like Travis is acting up or Travis is this or Travis is. So we've got, don't ask me why Travis. I have no idea why his name's Travis. I kind of know. But anyways, that's the story, another story for another time. <laughs> uh, so, so we're in the hospital and the nurses came in to hang up the chemo for Logan to start one of his treatments of that. And so we just said, well, our goal is for that bag to start killing Travis. And they said, who's, oh, did you guys name the tumor and everything like that? 
And so they were like, um, yeah, his tra- the tumor is Travis. And we, they were laughing about it and joking and stuff like that. Well, when you, when you hang uh, chemo in the hospital, there's lots of checks and balances because it's, it's a poison going into their body. So they have to bring in another group of nurses to come in. Well, the second group of nurses came in, and they're checking things off. That first group was leaving. They just said, okay, hey, I hope Travis dies. And they walked out. And they were like, like they were like all shocked. And they were like, why did they just say that? I said, he's Logan. It was like, his name is not Travis. His cancer is Travis. They were like, oh, that makes more sense. And we were like, it was like they'd be like worst nurses ever. You know, it was like, but they, they didn't understand. So if I walked up to a group and I was just talking and I told you guys, listen, I just hope Travis dies. I hope that God kills Travis. You guys would be like, oh my goodness, that is the worst pastor in the world. So can anybody explain why me making that statement would not make sense to most people? It was taken out of context. So let me explain the context of this passage so we can understand what Jesus was saying. Do you know why a lot of scripture gets misunderstood and misquoted where people, denominations and groups and everything like that will be going and doing things? And I'm like, ah, stop. Did you read the whole chapter? Because you got to take it in context. Everything has to be understood in light of all that the Bible says and what the Bible is saying beginning and end of that. So that's why people get so so messed up. So, okay, let me throw one out at you guys. And this is something that people take out of context. I would like to do a class on Wednesday night one time about just all the things taken out of context. Okay, here's the passage, all right? You ready? Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. And everybody will like, they'll have a small permitting. Like, well, it's okay because the Bible says that two or three are gathered. There's three of us who are okay. Now, if there would have only been one that showed up, no God would showed up in that prayer meeting. No way. Because God would have walked right up to the door and said, oh, nobody else showed up. And he would have just walked out. Is that the case? No. So what does that verse mean? It, it, because if it's two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the mist. If there was five or six, he's still in the mist. Or if it's just me, he's in the mist. So Matthew 18 talks about resolving conflict. And he goes through and says, if you have ought against the brother, he said, go to them and talk to them and resolving, you've gained a brother. If not, bring somebody with you. Sit down and deal with it and have a witness with you. He said, by the way, where two or three are gathered together, I'm in the mist. So the whole thing was, if you do it my way, you're not just confronting somebody that's wayward or gotten off or messed up or whatever. I'm going to do this with you because you're doing it biblically. That's the context. You see, a lot of times when we get mixed up on things, we take things out of context. And by the way, that's where a lot of things, I'm not even going to get into it because I'll start talking. There's a lot of things that are taken out of context, biblically speaking, that people get so confused about because they just don't understand it. So context matters. So he says in John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So this happened after, this has happened during the upper room discord. So uh, discourse where the, Jesus with the, up, uh, with the disciples, John 13, uh, they're, they're headed there. They go to the upper room. Jesus washes their feet. Um, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, he would have told you. Does this sound familiar? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Verse 6. 
This is right in context with it. He is talking to the disciples. You have to understand who Jesus was talking to. So what does this actually mean? So something we need to understand, not everything that we read in the Bible is directed or that promise is directed straight to us. Not everybody, and everything in the Bible that you have to obey to do. Let me give you an illustration. You say, yes, we do have to obey everything in the Bible. No, you don't. Okay, and don't take it. It's like, if you've sinned, you're supposed to take an animal, kill it, take the blood and put it on the doorpost. Have any of you done that lately? Then you're all sinners. None of you are obeying God. So why do you guys not do that? It's directed at the Jews in the Old Testament. So you sit there and say, oh, okay, now I get what you mean. He's not a heretic. Okay. So, so there's things that we read that was written to the Jews or the Old Testament and things like that. It's like, it's like if, what if I came to you and said, hey, one day Jesus is going to be born in a manger. We need to be watching for that. The Bible says to watch because we, we're looking for that promise. You'd be like, ah, that's already happened. And I was like, so that's not written to us. Now, we can read it in history to have understanding of it, but that's not written to us. So, so a lot of times people take these things out of context. He was speaking to the disciples who were taught by Jesus personally for three years. They knew what their mission was. They were given the promise to carry out the sign gifts. Literally, that they'll know you're my disciples because you're going to be able to go out and heal and do all these things. He was talking about the mission that he was giving them. They were the apostles more than just disciples. Does anybody know the difference between an apostle and a disciple? The apostle was with Jesus. The disciple, I'm a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. That's right. So they were eyewitness of that. Right. So when people will you misuse terms today and stuff like that, some of them were eyewitnesses of what Jesus did. Okay, none of us were eyewitnesses of that. We're followers of what Jesus did, but the, the apostles were that. So they were chosen by God for a specific mission at a specific time in a specific way. And he gave them the instructions for that at that time. So it would be like if I told my kids to run to Kroger and get these items for dinner, and I give you a promise that whatever you need on the list, I will pay for it, and I'm going to completely supply it. So they leave on a mission, and they're instructed to do that. And they execute the mission with power because they're able to go, I'm going to get this and this. And they walk up and they scan their card and they're able to do it because I've given them all power to be able to do whatever I gave them that mission to do. That's where the disciples were. Now, here we are, like going to Kroger, taking Pastor Tony's credit card and saying, he said we can get whatever we want. No, different context, different mission, different people. So, but what I can show you through this is how to properly apply this. Because all scripture is given by inspiration for God, from God and is profitable. It is, God's not, that's the whole reason why we have the Old Testament and, the, and the, the idea of the Passover and all that, because it's still profitable. We learn from it. It builds on the principles of the things that we live out today. So the Bible is good for us no matter what it is. So ask yourself these questions as you're doing this, and this is kind of review, review Will this bring glory to God? So when you're asking, like, I'm, I have a mountain, okay, so put it in context. I have a mountain. I have cancer. I have marriage problems. I have whatever. You have that. It's not a matter. I declare in Jesus' name to be cast into it. No, we don't have that promise because we're not the apostles. So you ask, will this glorify God? Number two, what is my motivation for asking this? Is it to promote myself or the working of God? Because it's got to line up with this. Are you asking with humility? 
And I tell you, these people, and I'm not naming names, but if they get on a stage and they want people to flock to them so that they, in the name of Jesus, can do this and that, they make it about them. It's, it's not about a man. It, it's, it, all of us should go humbly as we go before God in these ways. So, but this is also teaching them to ask by faith. This is, this is a thing that I, I, I struggle with. And I even asked, I was like, man, what if I doubt or would I struggle with this, especially for somebody's healing with this? And so what, how much faith does the Bible say that you need or telling the disciples? How much faith? Grain of mustard seed. Is that a lot? It's actually probably the smallest thing that, it, that was in their society to sit there and say, this is how much. So it wasn't about the quantity and a lot of faith healing ministries today was like, well, you didn't have enough faith. Jesus even said, then you're making it around about the wrong thing. You're not understanding this. It's not that faith, will God, faith that God will do anything we say, but it's faith that knowing that God is able, faith that knowing that God is good, and faith that knowing that God will do what's best. So let's say I have people coming over for dinner. And I invite people over to my house, and I go to Jenny and say, we have guests coming over for dinner. Uh, can, can you do dinner for us? I think it'd be great to have lasagna, okay? And then I come in, and she, she made chicken and rice. I don't know. So, and I think, so the idea is, I, when, I give, when I go to my wife, I go to her with confidence, knowing that she's going to carry it out with whatever's best. If she come back and says, you wanted lasagna, but they have a kid that's allergic to cheese. So I just switched it. So the idea when we pray, we pray with confidence, knowing that God's going to handle our problems. We can pray that no matter what he, direction he takes it, it's going to be for our good because that's all he can do. So if God changes the plan and he makes chicken and rice as opposed to lasagna, you can trust in God when you pray because all he does is what's best for us. So we ask in faith, in confidence with God, without doubting the Bible that it says. And sometimes we do doubt because things don't, fully makes sense to us. You know, I, I've, I've had somebody come to me and say, man, I prayed so hard that it went it rained because we had all these plans and people came in from out of town. We had this huge birthday party planned outside and man, I prayed and it poured down rain and I just don't understand how I prayed in faith and God didn't make it happen. And I thought, we don't know the big picture of what God did because maybe God did answer our prayers because there's a farmer over here that's praying, God, I'm going to lose all my crops I'm going to lose my farm, and I'm going to lose everything that my family has if, it, if this drought doesn't let up, and God let it rain on that day to supply that. So does God answer prayers? Yes. Do you guys see what I'm saying? It's God sees the bigger picture of that. So we ask in the faith the one that can see all and do all. So that's what the Bible talks about, asking faith. It's like the faith of the grain of mustard seed. He's like, do you trust me? Well, God, I struggle. He's just, I know, but do you trust me? Do you trust me that I'm going to do this for the best of everybody's uh, output of this? And so, but the thing is about it is, did I know that that farmer needed that, that rain? Did, could I see that? Do I even know that farmer whatsoever? No, but the thing is, my father does. God does, and that's why I have to trust my father. So we get to the big thing, and I can't do it because at the end of it, they said, especially when it comes to healing, okay? Can I just say I don't have the answer? I'm just going to say that because I, 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 I pray in faith, believing and asking. I'm not name it and claim it. I'm not slapping Logan on the forehead and say, be thou healed. And I'm not, I'm not doing that, but I am, I'm praying. But at the same time, what, what is the answer that's going to come from it? I don't know. I wish, I wish 
I wish as a dad I could say to that mountain, be thou removed, and it was. Because you know what, I'd be, I would be rebuking that mountain all day long. Get out of here, get out, you know, be, be I, but I don't, that's not what that verse is saying. I'm not the disciples, so we've got to be careful not to take verses out of context when it comes to that. So, but anyways, there's a lot of things I'd like to say in that time, but we're, we're, we're out, we're going to run out of time, and we've got a lot more to go. Number one, our next one, verse, uh, question number 16, prayer for the unsaved. If it is God's will that all come to repentance and none be lost, why do prayers go unanswered? What is free will versus predestination? Now, if anybody knows that the debate between free will and predestination, you know that I could say, I'll see you Saturday from morning till night, and we'll talk about it, okay? I'm not going there, but I can sum it up really fast. Let me just say that the premise of this question comes from the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God made a way and God gave us salvation. So here's some things to understand when it comes to this. Why do we sometimes pray, especially for the lost? Because, you know, like I said before, we don't have to pray and and ask if it's your will for so-and-so to be saved. Because what? We already know it's God's will for all to be saved and for all to come to repent. So I don't say, well, Lord, if it's your will, I, I ask you to please speak to so-and-so and save them because God already says, I already, it's, it's my will. I do want to do this. But here's two things to understand. Number one, sometimes it, it, uh, it falls on us for lack of obedience of sharing the gospel like we should, okay? It takes more than faith and prayers to see people come to know Christ. Let me just give it to you back uh, biblically. He said, go into them. Unto, unto them and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What do we, what do we call that? The Great Commission, okay? Romans ten seventeen. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How does faith come? By hearing the word of God. You say, well, I thought the spirit of God does that. Well, let me ask you guys this. Where's the spirit of God at? Inside of us. So it's like God said, I'm going to carry out the mission. And by the way, I'm going to do it through you. And I'm going to, but they need to hear the gospel. And God says, that's true. They're going to do it through you. Well, they need to, everything that God says, yes, it's you. What is the Matthew West song you guys will know about where he says, uh, God, I wish you would shake my fist into the sky and say, God, here's all the problems. And why don't you do something? And God said, I did. I created you. It's like this powerful song. He said, I did. I created you. I have a plan. So do you know the context of Romans 10, 17? Here, let's look at it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Has anybody heard that verse before? Boy, yeah, yeah every, you're like, Roman, Pastor Tony, that's the Romans road. Of course I have. How then shall they call on him of whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Do you guys see, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God says, that's true. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And God says, that's true. But God says, you have a responsibility to carry it out. Let me finish it. It says, how shall they preach except they be sent? That's where missions is. That's why we have Thrive Church. Do you guys know why we are trying so hard to plant a church on the other side? Because how will Dublin hear unless they be sent? And that is, that's what we do. We send them out. I had somebody that sent me a nasty thing that said, we're making a huge mistake, and none, none of people, nobody, this, this was an outside source, okay, by sending people out of our church to, to, to do that, they said, how will you ever build up that church if you're going to send people out? I'm like, I'm not called to build up this church. 
I'm called to send out. It is you, you gain by losing as Christians. It's not about building the kingdom of Fellowship Baptist Church. And Jesus raised up the disciples, and you know what he did? He said, get a big sign in a big building and fill the building up. Nope, he said, go, go, go. That's what he did. He sent them out. I, I tell you what, guys, if we're, if we're a church that constantly sends people out the door to go preach the gospel, and this church never grows to be whatever people would count success, we're successful because we did what God's called us to do. Amen. That's what we do. That's what we do. Truth is that there were many that will not come to know Jesus Christ because they were never told. They were never told. And I, 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 this could open up a whole other debate where people say, well, wait a minute. I'm just telling you guys the truth. How will they hear unless somebody tells them? That's why we, that's why we have this. So when, when I say, hey, take this and, and invite somebody, do you know what they're going to hear at this at, at Easter Sunday? I promise you with all of my heart. They will hear the gospel so clear. And I'm not saying that to break on me. I'm just saying that is the mission of Fellowship Baptist Church. We go above and beyond to help people find and follow Jesus. That's what we do. So they're going to hear the gospel. But I promise you this. Every single year, we end up throwing these out, a bunch of these out. But I'm just saying, take them. And, and, and when you check out at the store, when you're getting food at Taco Bell, just say, hey, if you don't have a place for Easter, I'd love to have you. It's just simple as that. Invite, 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 because how will they hear unless somebody preaches? Here's the second thing that you need to understand. Sometimes God reaches in to convict and they resist. God does not push salvation on anybody. God pulls us through the spirit of God and God convicts. But when Paul stood before King Agrippa and he gave the gospel, it was powerful. And Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He was like pull in that direction, but he says no. You realize that God has given us free will. And that's the thing that they were saying, free will versus predestination. Does anybody, how many people in here would say, I understand the difference between free will and predestination? Just raise your hand. Okay. All right. I was going to say, maybe it's something we should probably tackle sometime. Predestination is the idea that some people believe that God created some people to be saved and some people to be lost. From the very beginning in his foreknowledge, God just chose by the elect who would be saved and who would be lost. And those that are lost, there's no matter what they do, they can never be saved because of irresistible grace. And, and anyways, it just, it's a matter of those that are called to be saved, they will be saved no matter what. And those that are called to be lost, they're lost no matter what. By the way, uh, my wife struggled with this when she, the day she got saved because she truly believed in her mind when she was saved as the youth pastor's wife after serving here for three years that she thought was convinced in her mind that she was just part of this chosen that was chosen to go to hell. Now, if you want to hear her deep testimony, so this, this really fires me up. She really felt in her heart that I'm just condemned to go to hell. And it wasn't until I was youth pastor here for a number of years before my wife accepted Jesus Christ. And I'm saying this is a big deal, and it's, it's, it's a lot of messed up teaching of this. So, but God has given us free will. He's not willing that any should perish. Any is any, but all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The world means all. So then I compare it from King Agrippa to Acts 9, verse 5, when, he, when Paul was on the road to Damascus. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am... Jesus, whom thou persecutest, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Literally meaning the conviction and the pull of what God was doing of this. 
He had a choice, but look at how Paul responded. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? So you've got to understand that God does not force us to be saved. And when whoever you're praying for to be saved, the Spirit of God will speak to them and they'll come to church and they'll get up and walk out and be under conviction and ignore it and come up with an excuse not to come or whatever. But God's not going to force them because so there's the side of it where you're praying and asking God to work, but there's the other side of it where they have free will. And they, they have, when, when, when the preacher's doing, they, they, and conviction comes, God doesn't force us. If God forces us to be saved, it would not be love. It would not be a relationship. It, it, you, you, there would be no choice involved in it. So that doesn't make sense. Even free will goes all the way back to the beginning with trees. And it ends almost with trees. Okay, so if you go back to the beginning, he put two trees in the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. What what do you call that when you sit there? Don't eat this and eat this. It's a choice. It it was this, and and God gave us free choice. On the cross, there was trees that was cut down and put up there. There was a man on the left and the man on the right. You know what that was? It's a demonstration of a choice. It's all choices from the very beginning. God doesn't force us into this. Why? It's all based on love. So the angels had free choice because a third of them chose to leave heaven. Is that true, Brother Fenwick? Okay, he said it's true, so yes. <laughs> He's my backup. I've never studied if... Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so where does predestination come in? Let me just give you a verse. And I think actually Brother Fenwick taught me with this one one time. We were studying, and he said, did you ever look at this? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed in the image of his son, that he that might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what, would, what did God predestine to happen? His plan from the beginning was that we'd be conformed into his son. It wasn't lost and saved and some condemned to hell and some not. It was what he predestined was for, and, and a lot of it gets so twisted. The next one, and man, I, this is going to happen. I promise you guys this will be the last lesson in this series that I'm going to take so long with. Because it's the last lesson in the series, and I won't be doing it anymore, so we're going to finish up. It's two questions that I'm going to combine in one, okay? Jesus said that he, we will have tribulation in the world, so why should we expect to get out of tribulation by prayer? If all goes well for us, how could we relate to the loss and those suffering or suffering loss? But then as one kind of just paralleled it. How does prayer affect God and how he sees our situation? Example, I'm hurting. Does me telling God uh, enlighten him? So the whole thing is just dealing with difficulties in life. And, and if Christians were different, we just could pray and say, God, I'm going through a hard time like Paul and said, just say, take me out of it. Then it would just be a matter of, you know, Christians would float in this bubble above all problems. And that's not how life is. It's never going to be. Actually, if you study Christians throughout history, they probably went through as much or more than anybody else. Why? Because Satan is our adversary. So let me lay this out. Number one, everyone will have difficulties saved and lost because of the curse of the world. Nobody's exempt from the curse. It's not like God's going to be like, well, I'm not going to give them sickness or they're not going to be affected. We're all foreigners going through this land. We're all encountering the sickness of this world. We all encounter cancer and death. We all do. But here's the thing is, we are instructed to seek God when we go through trials and tribulations and sickness. It's not about getting out of our problems, but trusting God to get us through the problems. So the key of this, it is not about having problems. 
or not having problems? Is it about what you do with your problem? They're doing it again. We might have to, Morel, if you want to go to those other rooms and see who's leaning on the wall, <laughs> all it takes is for somebody to lean up against that wall and they just, so. I'll just, I'll mention them from the pulpit, embarrass them on Sunday and just, they won't do it again. Trust me, we'll handle it. So it is not about us going through suffering for the loss of see that we also suffer. It's about us going through suffering for them to see how we deal with suffering. Does that make sense? Does everybody get? So it's not a matter of us praying, Lord, get us out of this, but it's a matter of, Lord, get me through this. Because let's just be honest. When the world goes through problems, and I was at the hospital a lot, and I saw a lot. I mean, it was a lot of things because we were a bunch of families all intermixed. It's amazing how people deal with heartaches, okay? I, I, I went out and talked with this one guy and prayed with him, and he was just cussing God and cussing the world and cussing uh, his spouse, and just he was just so mad at the world. You know why? How do you deal with all that anger and frustration? So, but for us, God wants us to run to the Father. He wants us to trust in his power. He wants us to care about him. Does anybody know the name Jehovah Rapha? What is the name? The God who heals. So it's, it's, a, it's a matter of God saying, I am the God that heals. How do you experience the healing? And I'm not saying as a guarantee it, name it and claim it, but I'm just saying, where do you run when you're going through problems if you're sick? Well, what did the woman with the issue of blood do? She went to Jesus. What, what did, I, I mean, I could give you so many different illustrations of this. So why did God give us this name to know? Because he wanted us to know who he is. So when we were in the hospital, let me give you guys a powerful illustration of this that just gives me chills to even talk about. When we were in the hospital, something happened that was more powerful than the people that put this together understood. Here's what happened. The church got together when we were going through a hard time. Was anybody out there for part of this when this happened? There was two to 300 people that showed up at Children's Hospital when Logan was diagnosed. This was the day after Logan was put into the hospital. See, what you guys don't understand is you shook Children's Hospital like crazy. Do you know what they thought this was? They thought it was a Black Lives Matter rally. (laughs) Seriously, that's what they thought it was because it was during the time of that. And so what happened was I was standing down in the lobby. Can you go back to the first picture? Do you, this, I took this picture. Me and my wife were standing in the hospital. And I'm going to say this without crying. I promise I can get through this. That was a view of us standing out there watching us because Logan could not leave the room because he was in the intensive care. And I took that picture and all these people came up and they said, can you explain what is that? And me and Jenny, with tears in her eyes, was like, that's my church family. And they said, what are they doing? They said, they're here to pray over my son. And they said, you know what's crazy about this, and I don't think you knew this, is they came around 7 o'clock. Do you know what happens at 7 o'clock at Children's Hospital? Shift change. Do you know where they have shift change at? That building behind there where they are at is where, the, uh, where all the staff parks their cars. They literally walk through, if you show the other picture, uh, this, this pathway, I think, is they walk through that aisle right there to get to their cars on the other side. That's where they walk through. It's literally the path right there on the other side. So when we came in the next day, literally every person we talked to was talking about the rally for Logan that that church came out to pray over Logan. 
They said, and I kid you not, they said that was the biggest outpouring of a church event they've ever seen in the history of Children's Hospital like that. See, it's, it's, it was a matter of when Christians go through something, it's not about getting, going above and just saying, God, we don't want to have problems. It's a matter of what do we do that's so different that gets us through these problems? Because you know what? At the end of the day, you know what it's all about? It's all about the glory of God. See, and, and God is telling us, and we say this all the time, this is how we fight our battles. It's not a matter of, God, I don't want to fight. God says, no, you're in a fight, but this is how I fight my battles. We don't run to a bar. We don't go get, go get high. We pray. We come together. Bible says in James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. God literally gives us the instructions to seek him for healing. It's, it's the instruction they gave. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Life does not always go well for us, but we are to relate to the loss by how we get through the power or how we get through problems through the power of Christ. Not about, well, I prayed and God just pulled me out of it. So there's a reason for all this. So when the disciples were going through the sea and, it was, uh, and there was a storm that came out, what did they do? It's like, well, we just go through problems like everybody else. Now, what did the disciples do? They woke up Jesus. <laughs> That's what they did. They went to Jesus. What do we do in problems? We go to Jesus. Jesus was teaching them to uh, go to him in times of trouble. That's the same thing that we do today. And let me tell you guys right now, I, I want this to be a lifelong lesson as we went before the church to pray over Logan a number of times, and we've had the prayer outside, and churches have stopped by. And next Thursday, there's a church driving from Calvary uh, up in Ashland that's coming. Uh, to, they just want to spend some time with Logan. They said, we've been praying for him all this time. We want to meet this kid and talk to the boy that we've been praying over. The whole thing is, what does God do through during hard uh, times with us as saints? God teaches us to run to the Father. So it's, it's what we do to get us through it. And number three, it's just simply this. We bring glory to God through our trials as we seek them. Through all of this, we have an opportunity to point and say, God did this. God did this. God did this. The same thing is like when they came in and told us time after time about Logan's uh, cancer shrinking, I was able to say, and they knew who we were. You're that church. You are those people that had the rally. That's how we got known at Children's Hospital. We were the ones that had the rally. How, how we had that prayer rally out in front of the church. And, and they talked about it because of the fact is, they were like, I'll tell you what, the cancer shrinking, that prayer really worked. Your people, they, they said that all the time. So it's, it's about bringing glory to God. So when we're going through the storm, it's not a matter of God, I'm your saint, get me out of this. It's a matter of God, I'm your child. And yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Dominic? I didn't have a question. I was oh, amen. Okay. Here's the last one, and we'll quit. This one's personal to me, and I love it. Is, prayer, is praying scriptures or promises more beneficial than just asking for something? And I wouldn't say, per se, it's more beneficial, like if you pray versus praying through scripture, that God's going to answer this prayer over this one. But I could just say both of them please God, and I think both of them should be part of our lives. Praying through scripture and promises is very biblical. So it's something that we should do. But prayer is a conversation. A conversation, if it's a real conversation, what happens in a real conversation? You get a response. You get a response. It, it goes both ways. It, it's talking back and forth to each other. And so 
and I'm going to close with an illustration as we go through this, but just let me give you some points of this. Why pray through Scripture? And I'll even demonstrate this as we go through this too. Number one, because Jesus did it. And I don't even if you know that you realize this, that when he's, he prayed on the cross, and, and by the way, so did lots of other people in the Bible do this. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Did I say that right, Brother Fenwick? Close enough. That, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Does anybody know where that comes from? Oh, you should. It's in your notes. Um, Psalms 22. He was literally, it was, it was Psalms 22 in the Bible. That's not the only time. That's just an illustration of that where they prayed scripture in the Bible. Number two, it helps us line up with our, our prayers with God's will and God's desires. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will. How do you know what to ask? You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know if I'm praying in the right way, if I'm, no, you know, if I'm seeking and asking God for this. How do I know? Well, if my words abide in you and you abide in the word, that's what he's talking about. It's just like, I know what to ask. It's the same thing as we were saying, uh, if, if, if somebody came up and said, I'm praying about having an abortion, will you pray about this with me? Well, if my words abide in you, then you know how to pray. It lines us up with the will of God. Number three, it brings glory to God. When we're in his word and we're talking and praying through what he said and we're reading this, it brings glory to God. Because as you're reading it, you say, thank you, God, for doing this. And I claim this and God's worked in my life. It's a two-way conversation. It's, it's giving glory to God. It simply pleases God. Number four, it is how we claim God's promises. When my kids would come to me when they were little and I would tell them during the week, if you guys are good all week and you keep your room clean on Friday, which was my day off, I said, we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese or we'll do something fun. Well, guess what my kids would do on Friday? They would wake me up and say, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, why would you say that? You said so. You said so. I'm, claim, I'm, I'm taking you at your word. Do you know God loves for us to take him at his word? You remember when he died on the cross and they buried him and then he comes out and he said, didn't I already tell you I'd, I'd be risen from the dead three days later? He said, I told you. He wants us to take him at his word. So it's how we claim the promises of God. It helps us to pray with confidence. God, you said that nothing shall be impossible. So I'm going to keep praying for healing or help. And you say, people come up to you and say, well, you know, that doesn't normally happen that way. Thank you very much for your advice. But the word of God here says that with my God, all things are possible. So uh, yeah, I'm going to keep on praying. It helps us to pray with confidence. It stirs your, up your hearts and allows us to pray with confidence. Just like the songs that you sit there and you'll, you'll be driving down the road and your song will minister to your heart. It reminds you what you have done. So I've shared this with you guys. I'm a pretty transparent person with you guys. I've told you guys my struggles, my doubts, my fears, all this stuff. You know why? Because I'm just, I'm just a person. It doesn't make me a bad Christian that I've had struggles with different things. It just makes me real. And inside my, my uh, phone, I have uh, a spot that I, I have a personal prayer list. And this is a prayer list that I, it's not the church prayer list. This is things that people that are close to me and my kids and things that I'm praying through. And some of you people are on there and stuff. But then the rest of this is all scripture. And they're all things that as I've been reading, they're verses that spoke to my heart. And sometimes when I pray, I just pray and read through these. And I, I hear what God says to me and I say it back to him. Can I just kind of do this with you guys for a minute? You guys don't mind. And 
just kind of showing you, this is the, I just caught and pasted these straight out of my prayer list into here. So here's some of the verses on my prayer list, and I'll explain to you how and what I've done. It says, At thy rebuke, O God of Jacob, both the chariot and the horse are cast into the dead sleep. And I've prayed that. I, I, I've, I've sat in my car, I've sat in my office, I've sat in my bed, and I've said, God, you have the power to rebuke that which comes up against us, the enemy. And I've asked God, Lord, can you do that to Logan's cancer? Can you tell it in your power and your, your ability? And sometimes you say, well, you're praying the wrong. I, I'm just telling you, I read a verse and I just pray it. And if it's wrong, you guys can correct me. I'm okay with that. But the Bible says, the Lord is nigh unto them that call upon him, to all them that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desires of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. And I, I, in my despair, even when I felt alone in hard times that I've gone through, I have prayed for God to be near me. That's what the prayer of like, let your face shine upon me. It's the same thing. It's let me see your face when we pray through things like that. Thou art the God that does wonders. Thou has declared thy strength among the people. I've asked God to do wonderful things because my God does wonderful things. So I, it's okay for me to ask him because he's already declared that he does wonderful things. When the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And, and I, I've, I've prayed that. I said, God, I, I come to you as like the centurion. And I know I'm not him and I'm not trying to be him. But I'm just saying that I know what God's done in the past. And I know that God has the power to speak truth and to speak life in the same way that somebody that came with such confidence. You know why Jesus healed him? Because the Bible says, I've not seen so much faith that you have that much confidence that just speak the words and they would be healed. And Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Can anybody have a, just a wild idea of why I would pray that one? Because when they thought that one of the head surgeons at OSU told me that my son has two to three years to live, I, I, I go to this and I say, God, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to be touchy-feely. It's not just some sort of meme that I read or some sort of poem or something. I'm reading it straight from Scripture. With God, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God wants us to know who He is. God wants us to know who He is, that we come to Him like, I'm coming to you now, it's Jehovah Rapha. And if somebody says, well, why are you coming to Him for that? Because he's the God that heals. Why would I go anywhere else? I, I, I have that much confidence in him. Because I, I would love if, if we could be a church and a people and a families that are praying people in a praying church. And I, I mean, truly, the things that I've seen God do over the last number of weeks have been amazing. God has been working in ways we were able, during that time, the Launch Thrive Church, um, God, God has worked to see, have us see a number of people saved. I've, I've asked God just to work in unique ways and, and just to show me that he's working. I've told you guys a lot of stories about Logan, what God has done, and unique things that have happened. I called Vaughn and Norma Church. Vaughn is not doing well, okay? He's, he's nearing the end of his life. And I called them, and they were at a, um, the vet. And, and I pray all the time. I said, let me see you guys do wondrous works. And they were at the vet, and they said, Pastor Tony, we can't talk right now. We're at the vet. Can we call you when we get out to the car? I said, no problem. Closed the phone. 
they turn around and the guy at the vet walked up and said, by chance, did you just say Pastor Tony? And they said, yes, we did. They said, does he have a son with cancer? And they said, yes. And they said, so I just overheard you. And they said, if you, if you see him, will you tell him that my church is praying for him? So they got out to the car, they opened the phone, they called me and they said, the coolest thing just happened. They overheard us talking, heard your name, knew who you are and said, will you tell Pastor Tony that uh, we're praying for him? I said, that is so cool. I got invited, that was Thursday. I got invited to speak at a men's prayer breakfast at Liberty Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio here. So I went and preached. I used different illustrations of our thing for Logan. This guy walks up to me and says, Oh my goodness, I just ran into somebody at the vet that mentioned your name and I've been praying for him and you end up coming to my church two days later and sharing the story in this. How awesome is our God? And you say that, that's kind of cool. Well, on the receiving end of knowing God orchestrating that there's almost one million people in Columbus, Ohio, and that same dude ends up walking into the same prayer breakfast that I am two days later to tell me that he overheard a conversation in there. That's all God. And I believe that God wants to do so much more. And I'm not going to re-preach Ephesians 3.20, but God wants to do so much more to, through Christians that ask God. So I don't know how long it's going to be before God comes back, but I pray that God either finds us on our knees or serving him with all of our hearts praying big and going big for the glory of God.